Okay, guys, welcome to another Jesus Rant. Pastor Tom Carter, Word Without Walls Ministries. This is Season 3, Episode 7, Diet, Part 5. As we continue to look at the, well, really the physical and spiritual truth, that you are what you eat, we are this week going to look at the lamb. We did the bread, we did the wine, we did communion. We're going to do the lamb this week. We're going to do the living water next week. And then I think the week after that, we'll have a conclusion just to wrap it all up. But this week, I want to talk about the lamb. And as always, you know, in order to really, hopefully, really hit home just what exactly it is that we're talking about. John chapter 1 verse 36 says, As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. Like it's, it, I mean, it's that simple, guys. It's all Jesus, right? That's what we're talking about. That's what this whole thing is about. That's why I rant about Jesus. This, It's all Jesus. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, and he's everything in between. So when we're talking about the Lamb, of course we're talking about Jesus. And what we're really going to focus on today is the idea of the Lamb, not just as a meal that we eat together, and we will look at that, but as the lamb as a sacrifice and this is important because remember when when we talked about communion and jesus said this is my this bread is my body which is broken for you do this in order in remembrance of me and then he took the cup and he said this wine is my blood which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me these things are so much bigger than just physical health and strength and you do get that from a healthy diet, and you do get that from eating meat, and you do get that from these things, lamb and uh, living water and the bread and the wine. They, they will fill you up physically as well as spiritually, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's when you think about the idea that you are what you eat, it's very important what you have inside you, if I can say it that way, what you consume, right? Garbage in, garbage out. That's a thing. What you manifest, what you magnify in your life is what will manifest in your life, right? What you feed is what will grow. The things you focus on, the things you fill yourself with or surround yourself with, that really defines your reality in a lot of ways. So when we're feasting on, in, in this case, in, in this week's rant, when we're feasting on the lamb, which is Jesus, he is the lamb of God. His sacrifice is what we're feasting on. Uh, and, and, you know, again, I said we're going to look at actually eating the meal, but we're also going to look at what it means, the sacrifice that he made. Uh, but it's so important to focus on and remember and internalize who Jesus is and what he did for us and what it means for us today. And really what it means for us today is that we can know who we are, which is who we are in Christ which is who Christ is in us. So when we're looking at this sacrifice, we have to remember that Jesus didn't just give his life for us. He gave his life to us. He didn't just die for us. He died as us. His death and his burial and his resurrection, that was our journey as well. We are crucified with Christ. His death was our death. And you know, a lot of people will say, well, Jesus died to give you a life. But really, that's not 100% exactly true. That's part of it. But really, 
Jesus died to give you a death, and he rose again to give you a life. Because you can't be born again unless you first have a second death. The first death was when Adam, who was humanity's representative at the time, ate from the tree of death, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and on that day he died. That was the first death. And then Jesus on the cross, when he was crucified, that was the second death. And we were involved in both of those because, again, like I said, Adam was our representative at first. And then when Jesus was lifted up on the cross, he drew us all out of Adam and into himself. And then he was representing us. So we died when Adam died. And then we died when Jesus died. And then we rose again when Jesus rose again. And that's why we can walk in newness of life. That's why we have the resurrection life, the abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of love. That is the life of God, the life of Jesus, the gift of God. And it's not just us trying to live his life, but it's him living his life in us and through us and as us. And it all comes from this, this idea of a sacrificial lamb. It all comes from Jesus being that lamb of God. So first I want to read uh, Genesis chapter 4, starting with verse 1 through 7. And I want to really show... Well, I'll just read it first, and then I'll, uh, I'll get into it. But it's the story of Cain and Abel, starting in Genesis chapter 4. And it reads, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest... Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. And I almost didn't include that part because you guys know how I feel about sin. I really don't like to talk about it that much. I wrote a whole book about it because I wanted to be, when people inevitably ask me, and, and they do, I wanted to be able to say, well, I wrote, a whole, I wrote a book about it. It's a lot easier to get my thoughts and feelings about it. But I did include it because it's an important part of the story and because when you have an understanding of sin as unbelief, sin is crouching at the door. If you refuse to do what is right, that's a slippery slope to, to unbelief because what you do flows from what you believe. And it's always eager to control you, man. The world is screaming at the top of its lungs to try to control you. The Ministry of Propaganda trying to tell you what to do, not in order to help yourself, but in order to help those that are in charge, those that are in control, those that are in control want to stay in control and they want that control. That's the whole point of the whole thing for them. But the Lord said, you will be appreciated if you do what is right. There's another verse that I really like. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, they're all my favorites. Where it, the Bible says that blessed are, are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And to me, being called the son of God really means being identified as the son of God. If you're if you're going around, you know, starting wars and always making things uh, turbulent and, and 
listen, when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the storm raged and it was a turbulent sea, he came up out of the boat and he calmed the sea. Peacemakers will be known as the sons of God. You will be accepted if you do what is right. And I don't think we need a law, an external law necessarily to know what's right. I think we have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into all truth. I think we have a moral compass. Jesus did not come to give rules and regulations. Jesus did not come to give religion. Jesus did not come to give morality. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. And what it really means to live, to live is to love, and to love is to live. If you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you don't need a law to tell you not to mistreat them. You're not going to mistreat them simply because you love them. And that's such a better way. That's such a more excellent way when it comes from within instead of without. But what I wanted to get to from this story is the fact that Cain worked with his hands and brought what he could produce with his own efforts and what he could bring from the ground, from the earth. And God did not want that. He did not accept Cain and his gift. What God wanted, the only sacrifice that God has ever wanted or would ever accept is what Abel brought. The best portions of the firstborn lambs of the flock. God's only ever wanted the lamb, which we know is Jesus. So instead of trying to do it ourselves, we just claim Jesus. We just present him. We just understand that he is our true identity. You know, God in the flesh, love in a body. God in our flesh, love in our body. And then when we present Jesus, the Bible says in another place in the New Testament that Jesus has washed us clean with the word and he presents us to himself as a bride without spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. So we don't even need to clean up our acts. All we have to do is plead the blood of Jesus. All we have to do is say, it's not, it's, you know, the old, the old man that I was, that old sinner, he's dead and gone. A sinner saved by grace is not a sinner anymore. Once you've had the second death, that old man and all his misdeeds and all the things that were holding you down and tripping you up, those are all gone. They all went away in the watery grave of baptism. And now we are new and we don't have to be held down by those things. We don't have to worry about sin crouching at the door. We don't have to worry about unbelief. As a believer, you, by definition, you cannot sin. And the Bible says that too. It says you cannot sin because Christ's seed dwells in you, the incorruptible seed. We have a new nature, and it's not a sin nature. It's a saint nature. It's a son nature. So instead of trying to, what I'm trying to say, instead of trying to do things ourselves, instead of trying to produce things for the Lord, instead of trying to do what we think God wants us to do, all we have to do is bring the lamb. All we have to do is trust in Jesus, the lamb of God. That's the only sacrifice God has ever wanted, and it's the only one that he will ever accept. And in order to really hopefully drive that point home, I want to read Numbers chapter 6, verse 14. And it says, And offer their sacrifices to the Lord, a one-year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a one-year-old female lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a peace offering. It's the lamb, right? That's what God wanted. All throughout the Old Testament, when he set up this big, giant, elaborate um, 
system of animal sacrifices to keep the people out of trouble. Because like, like, like the law said, if you do this, you will die, but you can kill an animal instead. That's where the whole idea of a scapegoat came from. And I wasn't really planning on getting too heavy into that today, but the idea is you, you make an animal sacrifice, uh, uh, a, a, a burnt offering, a sin offering, a peace offering unto the Lord. And he, he doesn't examine the sinner. He examines the offering. God didn't examine us on the cross. He examined Jesus. See, a lot of people think that God's judgment was to kill Jesus, which never made any sense to me because God and Jesus are one. He killed himself. Like, I'm so mad at the world that I got to kill somebody. Well, all right, I'll kill myself. And then I won't have to do it all. No, God didn't kill Jesus. We did. Humanity did. We hung him up on that cross. We stabbed him in the side. We beat him and mocked him and humiliated him and spit on him. We said, give us Barabbas and take Jesus. That was all us. That was all humans. That wasn't God. It wasn't God's judgment to put Jesus on the cross. That was man's judgment. God's judgment was when Jesus cried out from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And if you don't think God heard that prayer and accepted that prayer and, you know, went with that prayer and did what his son asked him to do, I think he absolutely did. God's judgment came three days later when Jesus rose from the dead. God's judgment was not a death sentence. God's judgment was a life sentence, an eternal life sentence. Man killed and God quickened back to life. And I think that's a huge misconception that people have. But anyway, that's the point is the sacrifice had to be the lamb. God didn't want us to get in trouble, even when he put up a law to try to teach us how to listen. The people of Israel were slaves for like 400 years. And all they knew how to do was be slaves. Even when Moses led them out of Egypt, they st immediately started complaining and said, well, you know, we were slaves there, but we had three hots and a cot is basically what they were saying. We had better food there. We, you know, we, we had, we had to work all day and we didn't really get paid for it, but at least we knew what we were going to get. We're out here wandering in the wilderness and who knows what's going to happen. They didn't know how to live. They didn't know how to be free. And that's the trouble a lot of people have with the concept of freedom is that they don't know what to do with it. And they know that some people will abuse it. And guess what? Some people will abuse it, but you can't throw it away just because some people don't do it right. You can't let one bad apple spoil the whole bunch. Like freedom is so, so important. Anyway, I don't want to get too sidetracked. We're focusing on the lamb. We're focusing on the sacrifice. We're focusing on what God accepted. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, which again was the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Abel was a shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. It's all type and shadow of Jesus. The whole, I was, I was going to read, uh, I think it's Psalm 23, but you know, for sake of time, I didn't want to cram too much into here. But when it talks about the shepherd, it talks about making us to lay down in green pastures. Uh, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want all that good stuff. There's something to be said for a shepherd who leads and cares for his flock, not one who controls them. I, I did. I, I know I can't remember if it was a rant or not, and if it wasn't, I'm going to have to do one. 
but there's there's a lot to be said about the difference between being a sheep of the good shepherd jesus a follower of christ and a sheep who doesn't have a shepherd and is blown will just believe anything they're told and is just blown about by any wind of doctrine so let's move on because i do have a two more passages I want to get to. And first we will do, we will look at actually eating the uh, the lamb. And it's in Exodus chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. This is the story of the first Passover. And it reads, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announced to the whole community of Israel, that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Community, right? That's been a very large part of all of this, this whole entire rant series is eating, all eating from the same loaf, all drinking from the same cup. We are, it's not good for man to be alone and it's not good for man to hoard what he has. We need to share what we have with others who don't have any. Jesus spoke more about healing the sick and feeding the poor than he did about anything else, because those are the things that matter humans matter. We get so caught up on issues and we forget that there are people behind these issues, but it's, we're in this together. That's what I'm trying to say. Verse six goes on to say, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with a bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. Again, we saw it, we saw it with the manna, with the bread that came down from heaven. We see it here. God provides for us, and we don't need to hoard it up. And I'm not saying you shouldn't, you know, save your money. I'm not saying, of course you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan for the future. Of course you should. What I'm saying is, in cases like this, especially when we're talking about spiritual nourishment, God gives us what we need every day, right? So we can use what He gives us for that day. We can empty ourselves because we know he's going to fill us again tomorrow. We know that we're connected to the unlimited source of love, which is, of course, the God who is love, his heart beating with love in our chests. So it goes on in verse 11 and says, These are your instructions for eating this meal. This is important. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency. For this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. 
when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This was not this communion is more like a kind of more almost like a party where we're gathering together and we're sharing, you know, our, 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 our experiences with each other. This is a meal where it's, this is the start of something like this is go time. Like this is you, you eat this and then you're ready to go. You're ready to travel. You're ready to rock and roll. And I've heard it, you know, preached that the idea of the Passover is that, well, if the blood of the lamb is on here, then then God doesn't need to take a death from this house because God said he was going to execute judgment against all the gods and against all of Egypt, strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male. But really, when the blood of the lamb is on your doorposts, what that means is there was already a death there. The death of the lamb, the death of Jesus, we are identifying his death as our death. We are doing this in remembrance of him. Not only are we ready to be freed from our bondage, which again is that old life, those old ways, the, the quote unquote sinner mindset or spirit or whatever you want to call it. That's what we're moving away from and out of, out of the bondage of sin and death. But it's also that the death has already taken place here. It's not that we don't need a death here. It's that the death has already taken place here. The blood of the lamb is the death that took place here. His death was our death. And now his life is our life. So these are not things, there's so many levels to it. It's not just, well, I just want to be healthy. Yeah, of course you want to be healthy, but there's more to it than that. There's an abundance to it. There's a way that we can understand not only where we are, but who we are and why we're here. And, you know, again, that's why I wrote what I call the answer trilogy, but I'm not going to sit here and, and promote. We do that at the end. So let's keep going because I have one more passage that I want to read. And it's first Peter chapter one. I want to read verses 18 through 25. And this again is talking about the sacrifice. This is talking about why the sacrifice was made and what, it really means in our lives. So first Peter chapter one, starting with verse 18, it reads, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. We could not save ourselves. And that's why the law was given. The law was given to shut up every mouth, take away every excuse and bring us to Christ to let us know that we were sinners in need of a savior. So that when Jesus came and fulfilled the law and nailed it to the tree and got it out of the way because it was contrary to us and it was against us so that we could move out of that sin and death or you know, as, as the New Living Translation says, out of that empty life, which we had inherited from our ancestors, and we could move into a new covenant, a new day, walk in newness of life, have something better than that. And it's not just a, a, a new chance to do this old life. It's a completely new life. It's literally the abundant, everlasting, eternal resurrection life of God, a life of love. Because love is what makes the abundant life abundant. That's why God had to choose a spotless, sinless lamb 
to make the ultimate sacrifice for all of us and for all of our sins to bring us out of that darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. So in verse 21, it goes on and says, Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. See, because see, just having a second death wouldn't be enough. That would get us out of trouble. I think it's the Message Bible that says, here it is in a nutshell. One man did it wrong and got us into all this trouble with sin and death. But another man did it right and said yes to God and got us not only out of trouble, but into life. And that's huge. That's so important. Because it's not just life. It's his life. Verse 22 says, You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. This sacrifice that Jesus made, he made it so that we could have what he has, so that we could be our true selves, which is who he is. Who we really are is who we are in Christ, which is who Christ is in us. We can trust in God because he has proven himself trustworthy. Again, his His judgment was not a death sentence. It was a life sentence. His judgment was not killing his son. His judgment was bringing his son back to life. So we need to understand how important the sacrifice of the lamb was because even though it wasn't God who killed it, God accepted that sacrifice, right? He accepted it with Abel. He accepted it with the, 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 the people of Israel. That's the only sacrifice he ever wanted. That's the only sacrifice he would ever accept. And the reason that he wanted it and the reason that he accepted it is because it was the pure, precious blood of Christ being given for us, literally to us, to now flow in our veins. And your blood comes from your heart. So it's Jesus's blood flowing from the heart of the Father. It's God's heart in our chest saying, I love you with every beat of that heart. And that's why we can love each other. This is, you know, the fact that Jesus gave his life for us and to us is why we should love each other. The fact that we have his life inside of us, his love inside of us, his heart inside of us, that's why we can love each other. Again, it says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. I always talk about the, the really the only reason that we should do things is we should do them heartily to the best of our ability because it's in our heart to do it. And that's what I've been trying to teach my son really a lot is that when you do something for somebody else, you shouldn't do it as an obligation. You shouldn't do it because you feel guilty. You shouldn't do it because you're going to get in trouble if you don't. You should do it as a labor of love. And he's kind of a wiseacre, so sometimes I'll ask him to do something for me, and he'll say, Dad, is this a labor of love or a labor of laziness? And I always say, either way, buddy, if you, you know, it can't, just do it. But I'm trying to, and, and again, I'm just teaching him these principles. 
because you can't force something into someone else's heart. But I'm trying to have him see a more excellent way. I'm trying to train up, train him up in the way he should go and show him a better way to do things. Don't do things, quote unquote, because you're supposed to. Do things because it's in your heart to do it. Do things because you love the people that you come into contact with. If all we did was love each other, we wouldn't need any laws. Because if everybody loved everybody, nobody would murder anybody, right? I I think so. I think it would be better. I think if we were ruled by love, everything would be better. But in order to do that, it says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. What is the truth? God is love and he loves you. The truth is that we love because he first loved us. The truth is that we have to receive and release his love in order to experience this life. Because, again, to live is to love and to love is to live. You can't have one without the other and you can't do one without the other. I've heard it said you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So when we're when we're filling ourselves up with this lamb, with this sacrifice, when we're eating this Passover meal and we're ready to rock and roll and, and we're doing it in remembrance of him so that we know that his blood on our doorposts means that there has already been a death here and there doesn't need to be another one. When we're doing all of this, it's all for the purpose so that we're ready to rock and roll, so that we're ready to live life to the fullest. And living life to the fullest doesn't mean being selfish. It doesn't mean whoever dies with the most toys wins. Living life to the fullest means loving to the fullest. It means giving to the fullest. It means experiencing what you've been given to the fullest by sharing it, by giving it away. And that to me is what's important. In, in, you know, in a small little uh, gorilla gospel, chew on it, but don't choke on it kind of way. That to me is what is important about the lamb. So next week we'll do the living water. And then I think we'll have a conclusion rant the week after that. And then we'll move on to something else. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Okay, well, if you enjoyed that, I want to invite you to check out my website, jesusrant.com. You can get my daily rants on there. You can uh, get the my books that I've written on there. They're also on Amazon. I have an author's page on Amazon. Um, I've written a lot of books. I'm pretty proud of them. You can order them. I try to keep them cheap because I don't like to pay a lot of money for books, and I don't think people should have to pay a lot of money for mine. So check that out. Um, if you want to support the podcast itself, you can find it on anchor.fm. If you just search for Jesus Rant, um, you can support it monetarily. You can support it by uh, liking it, sharing it, subscribing to it. And you can, su you can support it, excuse me, by word of mouth, by telling people about it, uh, helping other people listen, find it and listen to it. And uh, thank you once again, as always, for spending your time to listen to it to uh to help me to get the word out which you know as we know by now is is my heart is just getting this word out word without walls ministry um so just thank you for your support i love you and there's nothing you can do about it amen <laughs>